0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is diversification only works if you're actually diversified. <laughs> It sounds like it makes sense. Uh, And people think about diversification and asset allocation when it comes to their portfolios a lot of the time, but they don't always take the steps to do it and then to maintain it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So with me today, I have Kelsey Banke. Hi, Mary. Kelsey is a certified financial planner with us at Sturk Financial, and Kelsey and I work a lot together on um, implementing portfolio asset allocation strategies for clients and helping people understand where their diversification is strong and where it's not. Um, but the the reason that I wanted to have this conversation today on this show is 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 this. The markets have had some interesting ups and downs this last year, and the... Thing about it is that some of your accounts likely have fared better than other accounts. And I've had some people recently come into my office that said, well, this account has made X percent and this account has made less. So why isn't everything doing as well as the one account that's doing the best? And invariably, when we look at that one account that's done the best, we find that that one account is not really diversified well and they happened to be in something that was the best performer over the course of the last year. So maybe they were in an S&P 500 fund, and that index fund really, really went up well. Um, Or maybe they were in an international fund, and that's the segment that went up well. But if you have an account that did significantly better than the rest of your accounts, it's probably because you had a pretty big chunk of that in a single asset class and you happened to hit the asset class that did the best this last year. Now, that can work both ways. You got lucky (laughs) in that you happened to pick the best one. Had you inadvertently picked the worst performing asset class, then you'd be having the conversation about why is this account so terrible? Why didn't this one do as well as my other ones? And it's probably because if you have a runaway down account, then it's because you're not diversified in that account, but you happen to pick the one with the worst record for the last year. Does that make sense, Kelsey?
1: Absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics because um, asset allocation, it's, it's not easy to do, but it's it's something that's very crucial to do because if you have SKU, if you have um, misses in your asset allocation, it is going to do just that amplify um, bad things that can happen in the market and sometimes good things that can happen in the market. But where we are sitting at in the market, this is the one thing, if we are only going to do one thing, this is the one thing you really need to be looking at in your portfolios is making sure that your asset allocation is in alignment.
0: Right. And what does it need to be in alignment with? It needs to be in alignment with the level of risk you're comfortable taking. And that's called your risk tolerance level. You know, there's a lot of fancy words and in investments that sound big and impressive, like risk tolerance level. And really all that means is it's aligned with your risk comfort, you know. Asset allocation and diversification are big words, and they can sound a little intimidating to people, but all that it really means is that you have the right amount of money in the right places so that it is aligned with your risk comfort, okay? So this doesn't have to be too complex. It doesn't have to be too big or daunting, but asset allocation has been proven time and time again to contribute to the best long-term outcome in portfolio management. And that's why when Kelsey's saying, if there's one thing you take away from listening to us, it's this one. <laughs> Make sure you're diversified. And that's why I named the show Diversification Only Works If You Are Diversified because it's true.
1: <laughs> well, and, and right now the markets have been up. Uh, oh, gosh eight years yeah, (laughs) something like that eight and a half years I mean we're pushing on the record and that tends to be you know it feels good because you maybe have made some money over the years but sometimes when things are doing well people aren't as attentive to the little details and that is where you might get in trouble here is that those little details could prevent you from making money if things go well or make uh bad markets even more come uh Bad for you, right. for lack of better words. Yep. Yeah, they emphasize mm-hmm. that. So, um, pay attention at this moment. Pay attention to that and get that in alignment.
0: So, let's talk about some of the basics of what diversification actually means. Okay, so the the thing about it is that historically, there's been three major classes of assets. You've had stocks, you've had bonds, and you've had cash instruments. Cash instruments might mean money markets. They might be super short-term bonds. But the cash alternatives tend to not have a tremendous amount of risk. Um, And so stocks, generally speaking, are the riskiest. Bonds carry some risk, but it's more limited. And then the cash instruments tend to carry the least amount of risk. So the old style of diversification, and truly diversification for smaller accounts, generally speaking, sits in those three asset classes. But the world has changed, and with the sophistication of money management changing, there are now some things that are called alternatives that we feel strongly are and should be considered to be the fourth asset class that people might want to be diversified within. And alternatives are designed to be something that go their own way, regardless of what the stock or bond market is doing. It's something that is designed to be a hedge against market volatility. So an alternative is something where even if the market is going down, your alternative could still be going up. On the flip side, it also means that if the market's going up, your alternative could be going down. That's possible too. So it can cut both ways. But In times of market volatility, alternatives can be a good idea. And the main premise behind alternatives, very generally speaking, is this. It's kind of a hedge against the market. So if the alternatives manager thinks that something's gonna go one direction, they basically make a bet that it's going to. And if it does, you win. And if it doesn't, you lose. So let's take a market futures alternative, for example. If we're sitting at the top of the market and if the alternatives manager thinks that the stock market's going to go down, they can make a bet that the market's going to go down. And if it does go down, your alternative fund is going to make money because they bet on the right side of that trend. They were right about what was going to happen. So your stock investments might be sinking, but because your alternative manager made a bet and it was right, then your alternative fund might be going up and that helps offset some of the losses in the stock portfolio
1: this is a really fascinating um, segment of investing I, I just I could talk for days about these um, but there's something that you need to understand. There's lots of different kinds of alternatives. True. There's lots of different things that the alternatives are doing. They're um, investing, could be investing domestically, internationally, um, specific segments or sectors of the market. And so um, they're, they're a little more complex. So I encourage you that if you don't have this in your portfolio and you think that this is something that you need, just reach out to us. And um, this is something we've done a lot of research and, and time, put time into, uh, designing and figuring out which are the best ones and which are good ones to use at different points in the market.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And and like Kelsey said, it is complex because alternatives can involve currencies, alternatives can involve futures, they can involve commodities, they can involve interest rates. You know, there's a lot of things that the alternatives can do. They can involve hard assets like real estate and things like that. But the the main premise of them is if you can have an asset class that is going to move independently of whatever the stock and bond market is doing, then it can be a hedge against that market volatility.
1: Absolutely. It's a great diversifier because Mm -hmm. the main goal that we would use them for in a portfolio, um, there's a number of ways you can use them, but our main reason for using them in, in a portfolio is to get a segment of the investments in the portfolio to have low correlation to the stock and bond markets. So to have something that is independent, not really, um, moving in the same direction or guaranteed to move in the same direction as those other two markets and just acts as another way to invest to hedge against negative performance, but have potential in positive performance as well.
0: It's it's another layer of diversity. Absolutely. So stocks, bonds, cash instruments, and alternatives is what we would say the four major classes of assets are that today's portfolios are likely to be invested in, especially if they're larger. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sturk. And today's topic is diversification only works if you are diversified. Now, in the first segment, we talked about the four major asset classes that people diversify within, stocks, bonds, cash instruments, and alternatives, which we spent some time talking about. But what we're going to talk about the last half of the show today is we're going to discuss a little bit about how to fix an issue if maybe you don't have diversity um, available, and then talk a little bit about um, how to maintain diversity within your portfolio and know that you're doing a good job of of staying unskewed, I guess is the best way to say it. All right. So let's talk about if something's not available. Now, within these asset classes, the four major asset classes, there's subclasses. So for instance, in the stocks, they're broken down into large, mid and small cap And that has to do with the amount of revenue basically that the companies themselves are bringing. And then they're broken down generally into several different styles like growth or value or blend. And so there's kind of a a wide range of subcategories within each one of these broad asset classes. The bonds are the same thing. Bonds might be short-term, they might be intermediate, they might be long-term, they might be global. And there's a method to the madness about how and when you want to have your money in these different asset classes and what percentage you want to have in them based on what that risk tolerance or that risk comfort level is. But what we often find is that in some accounts, you don't even have access to all four asset classes. So for instance, your 401k at work might have seven or eight asset classes, but it might not include things like alternatives, or it might not even have a mid cap alternative or something like that.
1: I look at, 401k investment options all the time. Like on a weekly basis, I'm looking Mm at 401k asset um, options. And just yesterday, I was looking at an account and uh, a number of choices available, but they didn't have a single alternative available. They didn't have a single emerging market available in the, the options. And for bonds, they only had intermediate term bonds. So that is an alarming situation for me to see because the bulk of people are saving up for their retirement in their 401k plans because of the the positive tax advantages and possibly a match and things like that. So it's a very common thing. But when I see investment selections that do not offer all the options, that starts to make me nervous because I feel so strongly about asset allocation <laughs> that when I can't even fill all my buckets in your portfolio options with an, a 401k, I, we need to start looking then outside the 401k to fill those buckets because they are important to have in your portfolio. Um, but many, many 401ks are missing those. It's not, it's not uncommon that I see many asset classes missing from those portfolios.
0: So that brings up a really good point. What do you do if your 401k doesn't have some of the critical options? And as Kelsey said, then you have to start to look outside your 401k to round them out. And this is where working with a financial advisor that takes a more global view and is more of a fee-based planner is that they can look at the accounts that they might be helping you manage and also look at the accounts that they're certainly not actually managing for you, like your 401k, and help you create something unique that's called a universal allocation. And a universal allocation means that it takes the entire portfolio that you have, even across multiple accounts into play, and picks out the strengths of each one of them to create the best overall diversification. So to put that in better terms, here's what I mean. As an example, we have a client who has a 401k that has several hundred thousand dollars in it, and then they have an investment account that also has several hundred thousand dollars in it. Well, the 401k, they're limited to the 15 choices that their company has put into there. And as Kelsey said, in that particular 401k, there are no alternatives, there is no emerging markets, and there's only intermediate bonds. Now, what's great about the 401k is that some of the large cap and the mid cap and the small cap choices and the international funds that they have are awesome. However they're missing these other categories like we're talking about. So instead of just looking at the single account and saying do an asset allocation within the single account, a universal allocation means you take a look at multiple accounts and you select the strengths of the ones that are limited and you backfill in the holes with the other portfolios that surround them. So in the 401 k we recommended an allocation of a certain number of funds And then in the outside investments, that's where we plugged in the alternatives and the emerging markets and the bonds that we felt were in the right categories. And it's the combination of the two accounts that actually creates the diversified portfolio for this particular client.
1: And looking at a a universal universal allocation, you... When you when you allocate in that way, your individual accounts are not necessarily going to make sense from your risk level um, standpoint. But when you look at the entire portfolio of your of your investments, which someone who is looking at the big picture is going to do that's when you see the investment allocation really come into alignment with your tolerance level. So um, it can make things look a little funky because you might have one account that's more (laughs) aggressive and one account that's more conservative or really concentrated versus diversified. But when you look at the total... Um, global allocation for your portfolio, then it really starts to come into um, the picture that you're wanting to see.
0: Now, universal allocation work is something that isn't frequently talked about by advisors because most advisors only make money if they sell you a financial product. And so if they're not able to make money on your 401k, then they usually aren't talking to you about it. And that's the beauty of working with a fee-based investor is you can do that type of more sophisticated universal allocation work because you're paying them for their time. Whether they're managing the money themselves or not, or maybe they're managing a portion of the money, the bottom line is you're getting advice about what's best for your overall portfolio. And that's what makes the most sense for you. So that's one of the ways to be diversified if you have an account that doesn't have great diversification choices available, is to think about working with someone to do a universal allocation. All right, let's shift gears for a minute and let's talk about maintaining your allocation. So you can do all the work in the world, to get yourself set up in the right allocation and be diversified. But if you don't occasionally go back and tweak that and readjust it or rebalance it, then over time you're going to experience something that we call skew. And skew just means that based on the performance of the different things that you're diversified in, some of them are starting to become a bigger percentage or a smaller percentage than what you originally wanted them to be. So let's think about maybe the last year if you had money in large cap stocks, that asset class made more money than some other ones. And so your large cap stocks, if you maybe wanted them to be 15% of your portfolio, they might now be 22% of your portfolio. All right, so you've made money within them, but now your portfolio is skewed because you have too much at risk in that one asset class. And what we're talking about is rebalancing to get back into where you only have 15% in there. And the reason is not all diversified asset classes stay at the top of the of the heap. <laughs> so if it's great last year, it doesn't mean it's going to be great this year. It could be, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay at the top of the heap. And now you've got 22% of your money at risk in that asset class instead of the original 15, you've made your portfolio more risky.
1: This is, this is really crucial. Again, right now we've seen over the last um, several years, and there's um, investment companies that are doing research on this right now. I just don't have any statistics in front of me, but they have seen a significant number of portfolios slide up a level in risk Mm -hmm. so slide from a moderate to a moderate aggressive or moderate aggressive to an aggressive because of the markets that we've had and so um, this is something like I said it needs to be addressed now it needs to be addressed soon because that is your best protection um, for a potential down market and best protection for our best um, way to participate in the forward um, potential for uh, a strong market so regardless of which way the markets continue to go or change going, um, asset allocation, that reallocation is really important because you very likely, if you've done asset allocation in the past, but haven't revisited it recently, you're very likely going to be more aggressive than where you'd want to be right now.
0: We generally recommend that somebody be rebalancing their asset allocation anywhere from quarterly to annually, but most people don't even look at it as frequently as annually.
1: I've had a number of people tell me um, over the last couple of months, I haven't looked at this in two, three, four, ten 10 years. <laughs> um, uh, the longest one I've heard was 20 years, 20 years. They haven't looked at it um, and they hadn't really worked with an advisor to look at it. And that is scary. That's a scary thing for me to hear. So I'm always happy that they finally come in and, and let us help them with that. Um, but please don't let that be you because that is a, a very dangerous place to be. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so if you're interested, give us a call. We'd love to visit with you about doing a diversity checkup on your portfolio or talking about whether or not a universal allocation would be something that benefits you. Um, But in the meantime, we have a great seminar coming up that we dig even deeper into this. It's called Portfolio Management Pitfalls and How to Avoid Them. And Strick Financial has partnered with Western Iowa Tech. We're going to hold this on October the 10th. And really, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, or if you want to go and learn beyond the basics of investing, this is a higher-level type of more advanced seminar. And we're going to talk about, you know, what are the main portfolio management pitfalls that people run into, and how do you avoid them, and how do you incorporate the strongest strategies for portfolio management into your own picture. So join us October 10th at Wit, and uh, for portfolio management pitfalls and how to avoid them. We hope this has been helpful. We hope that this inspires you to take a look and, and tweak your own diversification and make sure you've got that in place. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.